Welcome to Hip Hop Movie Club, where three old heads put their old heads together to vibe on some of the most memorable or forgettable hip hop themed movies of all time. And here's HHMC with your HHMCs, Boogie, JB, and Dino Wright. Season 4, Episode 3, New Jack City. Written by Thomas Lee Wright and Barry Michael Cooper, released in 1991, and featuring Wesley Snipes, Ice-T, Chris Rock, Mario Van Peebles, Judd Nelson, and Bill Cobbs. We'll answer the question, how do you stop the top H-U-S-T-L-E-R hustler? Hustler. In New Jack City, Nino Brown, played by Wesley Snipes, is a rising drug kingpin with a massive and profitable empire growing and headquartered in the former Carter apartment complex in Harlem. Scotty, played by Ice-T, along with partner Nick, played by Judd Nelson, go undercover to try to bring Nino and his minions down and halt the nasty effects of the crack cocaine epidemic on the city. Battling with Nino is a daunting task, to say the least. All right, so a lot to unpack here with New Jack City. Uh, why don't you kick us off, Boogie? Yeah, I think this is one of those movies that they satire in uh, Don't Be a Man to the South Central about drinking your juice in the hood. So safe to say that I've, I don't know how many times I've watched this movie. I'm really into crime movies, so I, I watch a lot of gangster movies. So this is, you know, writing was always in part of my collection. But the one thing that stands out to, to me in this movie was Wesley Snipes' portrayal of Nino Brown. He was such a charismatic person, yet ruthless, but he was horrible in the sense that, you know, the, the, the acts that he did, you know, portrayed throughout the film, but, he, like, you know, from being able to take over the housing project in the middle of New York City, like, you know, just, yeah, we're going to just take over a housing project, yeah. But I liken him to Al Pacino's Scarface character. The movie moves really fast, I don't think there's too many dull moments in the movie at all, in my opinion. One of those crime movies that that really grabs me, but it's not for everybody. <laughs> to, to you know, to put it lightly, it's 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 got some raw moments in it. The language is pretty harsh. Um, some of the visuals are you know pretty harsh, but it, it portrays somewhat of an exaggerated but accurate portrayal of the crack epidemic that that swept the nation you know in the late '80s into the into the '90s. So. If you know anyone's trying to get a glimpse of what it was like, this movie was pretty accurate in the sense of, you know, you see all aspects of it. And um, for that, I, I do appreciate it because it kind of brought it a little to the forefront, whereas, you know, it was an inner city problem. And, yeah, we knew about it, but this kind of put it out on, on the main screen so that um, viewers anywhere can kind of say, you know, wow, this is really raw. This is crazy. This is really you know, weird in the sense of, you know, I didn't know it was that bad, but so that I always appreciate the movie. But I, I do think that even if it's a movie that you may not enjoy as far as in the sense of, oh, this is an enjoyable movie. It's, it's something that I think that people should look at from a, you know, sociological aspect, you know, just to get a, a glimpse of, What's what happened during that period of time? So that I always appreciated about the film. Yeah, I, 
like you said, it was, it was action packed. As I mentioned on previous episodes, I'm more of a comedy guy, so this was one that like I was wouldn't be like go down. It was my favorite movies, but the the acting was great and it was quite intense. And I liked that there was a like you said, there's a bigger message. There's political commentary. They talk about trying to raise your status in the in the Reagan era and. Even in the in the beginning of the movie, it starts with news report on the unemployment rates hitting rec- record highs, and there's reports of drug deals gone bad, robberies, um, kingpins trying to be brought down, and the the message is kind of like there were a lot of people out there on the street they get hooked on crack or they, or you know these people trying to figure out a way to profit off of it, and they thought at this point you got to rob because the rich were getting richer in this era poor we're getting poor their conditions aren't improving unless you try to raise your status on your own as we know that's not the optimal way to improve your status but this was the street scene uh for many back then and even at the end of the movie they said even though this was a fictional character nino brown there were a lot of nino browns out there so it kind of tried to bring it to light like listen this is totally exaggerated like you said kind of a caricature um but this happened to varying degrees during this time in New York City. So there was a lot of realness to it. What was your take, uh, Donna Wright? Yeah, I, I know they were trying to say that a lot of this was exaggerated, but I think there was a lot of things that weren't that exaggerated. And I agree with the two of you that this, this is a very important film sociologically because this is almost a, like a news report. It starts with a news report and it basically acts like a news report with some entertainment involved too. And from a hip hop standpoint, it was, it was fun to see like Flavor Flav and Fab Five Freddy, like Fab Five Freddy's in all these movies. <laughs> it's like in every movie. So like Nick Ashford from Ashford and Simpsons in this movie, Guy was <laughs> like there all in Teddy Riley of the movie. Uh, Ice-T, of course, who seems to be in like every, also in every hip hop movie that we've watched. But my favorite bit part character was <laughs> Thalmus Razulala. As the commissioner, you two are big What's Happening fans. And that's that's Raj's dad. Oh, I didn't put that together. That's awesome. Yeah, it's Raj's dad. So Bill Thomas, who comes around once in a while, that's Thalmas Razavala. So he went from he went from Watts to uh to New York City. <laughs> Good connection there. Yeah, and also you see the guy that played the what do they call him the the Dada man was yes. Bill Nunn. Bill Nunn. That was Radio Rahim and do the Radio right Rahim. thing that we had already reviewed. And Barry Michael Cooper, the co-writer of this film, also wrote Above the Rim, so another hip hop movie connection. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, a few connections in this film. Also, one of the drug addicts, recovering drug addicts, Kelly Jo Minter. She had a snippet in house that's party. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, she was in a car when. Play went to go pick up Bilal to get ready for the party, and she was in the car, and Bilal was trying to kick her out. <laughs> yeah, and Chris Rock later does see before two years after this movie, so yeah, a lot of hip hop connections. Then you had some new Jack Swingers in there, you know. Mm-hmm. In, in addition to God, it was Troop was in there. Troop they was were, in here. Yeah, Keith Sweat. Levert, Keith, Levert, Levert, yep. Keith Sweat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of uh, hip hop and hip hop adjacent acts, and I was confused. <laughs> I know the credits said Vanessa Williams within this movie, but it's Vanessa Estelle Williams, the other Vanessa Williams. Yeah. And I was really confused because Michael Michelle looks like 
the other Vanessa Williams. And I'm yes, like, Ooh, wait a yes. minute, who's 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 on first? Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah. They, there's a definitely a template between um Michael Michelle and um Vanessa Williams. They, they have a very, very, very similar look. <laughs> I think Vanessa Williams not available for this one, so they got Michael Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and in order to keep it keep it straight, they had to get Vanessa Estelle Williams in this movie. <laughs> I was very confused. But also to to speak into Fab Fra Freddy, he's also an associate producer of, of the movie. So he's Fab Fra Freddy did, was doing a lot of work, <laughs> you know, behind the scenes and also in front of the you know cameos in, in these movies. So yeah, shout out to Fab Fra Freddy. <laughs> Yeah, like, no, this movie, like, you know, just to speak again to the crack epidemic, when the crack epidemic hit the inner cities, it hit the inner cities like a atomic bomb of sorts. I mean, it just completely wrecked havoc. And, yeah, you hit, you get those characters, like, you know, recurring character Pookie, who had his moments of, of humor in the movie, played by Chris Rock, but... It was sad. It was a tragic story with, with him because, you know, even when he was trying to get clean with, you know, Scotty's assistance and infiltrating the CMB syndicate, he couldn't get away from it, you know, and, and that ultimately had him slipping up. And that's what caused his downfall in the movie. So, you know, seeing that character, it's it's sad because I've I've seen growing up, I've seen many characters in my life that resemble Pookie. <laughs> there was always there was several Pookies in our, in my neighborhood growing up. So yeah, that character was always one that as I got older, it kind of touched on me a lot because it, it was it's, it's sad, it was tragic. Yeah, it just shows what kind of grip that how addictive crack cocaine is. And it's like, yeah, I'm trying to get off, trying to get off. I'm going to turn and turn my life around and they just slip back in. So. Yeah. 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 It's, it's tough. So we see Pookie in the very beginning, he's, he's stole money from ice T's character, Scotty Appleton in the drug deal. He catches him, lets him go. And then you see Pookie pop up again, like begging for Turkey. He ends up abusing the girl that he was with and he's just hooked on crack. But ice T in his efforts to bring down Nino Brown, he ends up hiring Pookie to try to infiltrate Nino's operation. Like you said, he wires him up. He acts a little bit too crazy there, you know, because he's hooked on the cocaine, uh, the crack, and uh, they find a surveillance equipment. And Scotty's teamed up with Peretti, played by Judd Nelson. And I thought that was kind of an interesting pairing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got a straight edge guy or some somewhat straight edge guy, and you got a loose cannon. <laughs> yep. And and Peretti eventually reveals that he was he used to be Pookie. Like he he went through, I guess, some some addiction. And he kind of brings the message too that because there was some a little bit of racial tensions with the two of them here and there and 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 some of the other some of the other guys. And then Peretti's like, it's not a black or white thing. You know, I used to be Pookie and it affects every all races. It doesn't discriminate, right? Yeah, and that was a, that was actually a very good message to put out in the film too, because I think there was a big misconception that only black people were you know getting hooked, but everybody was getting hooked. And if you lived in a city, <laughs> you know there was a chance that you knew somebody that was hooked, and they didn't necessarily have to be a black person. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Any race, any socioeconomic condition you had, yeah. CEOs on Wall Street 
regardless of race, they're getting hooked on uh, crack and stuff, bringing them yeah. down. Doctors, lawyers, yeah, yeah. high functioning, high functioning professionals. Yeah, hooked. Yeah, and then you see the Italian mob is involved here with, with the guy Frankie Needles and Don Amateo, and they become, you know, I, I guess they're buying against Nino for dominance of the, the underground, so to speak. You know, and there's a one scene where Nino emasculates Frankie Needles, you know, he cuts his hair and stuff like that. And then later on, it was like that seemed to be the one way to try to another way to try to get into Nino's empire was to team up with Frankie's crew. And another, an interesting concept with the movie, though, is that it wasn't even Nino Brown's idea to sell crack. It was G Money's idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Nino is the mastermind, like I said, that ruthless, charismatic individual, he took the idea and ran with it <laughs> and created an empire of sorts. <laughs> you know, I always find that interesting. I said, you know, it wasn't even, it wasn't even Nino's idea. <laughs> yeah, he at first he was kind of upset that G-Money was figuring this out on the side. Right. Then, oh, <laughs> he takes his idea and he also takes his girl. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that was interesting interesting dynamic between Nino and G Money because his idea and he took his girl and Nino Brown ends up like I call it like a god complex. He thought he was just invincible, he could just do whatever he wanted and there was no repercussions. And it's kind of sad at the end towards the towards the very end where G Money has kind of had it and he's talking heart to heart with Nino and saying, you know, this look at the life we have and all this stuff. But Nino was literally crying, hugs him, but he's cold hearted and shoots him, shoots him in the head. And yeah. also birthed the meme, the Nino Brown meme. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know it's supposed to be a, a very emotionally pivotal moment in the movie but all i could think of was the meme that turned out afterwards. <laughs> sorry sorry uh, peoples <laughs> it's meme worthy it, it, it turned out to be meme worthy if you haven't seen that we'll, we'll put it in the show notes but <laughs> nino brown has like a mythological status um like a paul bunyan where it's like even though he's fictional people almost want to emulate his power, not the criminal nature, but you know, I think Nino Brown has been mentioned in many different hip hop songs. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of them at this point, but I've heard him referenced in a few. Yeah. He's, there's it, definitely references. I'm, I'm off the top of my head. I can't, I can't think of them right now. I feel like I got to look that up. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes too. <laughs> yeah. Up later. <laughs> Man, it's a, a very like, it's a very cultural kind of important yeah. fictional character at least in hip hop. Yeah, you're hearing references to me and Nino Brown, G Money, CMB, you know the Carter, the Carter. Yep, yep. Yeah. Cash Money Records or Cash, or money, Cash yeah. money Brothers turned it to Cash Money Records. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I always thought was a great name. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there's one scene when the towards the end with it. The, the Italian mob pulls up and the because Nino's hosting a, wed a, a wedding 
for one of the crew. I forget which which guy it was. And the shootout occurs right at the, at the reception of the wedding. And Nino uses a child as a shield. And that's how you know how cold hearted he was. And that was that was rough. And ultimately, then you hear the news report. Nino's crew guns down Don Amateo and 10 others from that crew. So he, he ends up winning out for, for dominance underground. Yeah, and I think even in that scene, you think, you see, Scotty was having a moment where he was like, man, I could probably take this guy out right now. But he didn't. He chose not to, but he, he had a clear shot at him. But he didn't, you know, because he was already in, inside and you could have ruined the case and and everything. But, yeah, that, that was that scene was horrible when he grabbed that little girl. And, yeah. Yeah. He, like I said, all accounts, he was a horrible person. <laughs> Just absolutely horrible. Yeah, he's like a Darth Vader of <laughs> the crack cocaine scene. Yeah, and you're right. He, he Ice T's character Scotty did have a couple shots at him. Like we wish he would have because Nino himself was just so cold blooded. He right towards the beginning, he he hung a guy right over the bridge for a bad deal. Very first scene, and he drops the guy off the bridge. That kind of pulls you into the story. And and there's other instances where he's Killing people in broad daylight. Um, yeah. That Rasta man he killed, um, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he takes the the landlord of that quarter apartment out, <laughs> buck naked, <laughs> yeah. with the gun to his head. I'm like, how does he get away with this? You know, he's just literally killing people and threatening people all over. Made me think that Mario Van Peebles, as the chief detective, was kind of inept, you know, at his job. They they tried a couple different strategies to to get to him. Get the Neo. Yeah, and I think too also, also was is which kind of still exists to this day is there's a little bit of a uh, apathetic feeling towards the police or to the police and when they're doing their investigations, eyewitnesses are everywhere, but they will not speak to the police. You know, it's a sad reality where you know a lot of crimes could either be solved or even prevented before they occur if, if there was a little bit more cooperation. But then, you know, there's also instances why you see why people are less likely to, to want to cooperate because who knows what the police if the police are involved or if there's going to be repercussions from the police or if it's going to be repercussions from the people that they're giving information on. So it's it's a it's a, it's a very touchy, tricky situation. But if there were instances where people would have come forward without being fearing for, you know, coming after them, this could have easily been squashed quickly <laughs> before it even got to the point where it got had gotten to. Yeah. They, like you said, took my man out in broad daylight and, you know, people are right there. <laughs> yeah. You think it's an open shed case, but it's not. <laughs> right. You need witnesses to cooperate and testify. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very important at the end that his Nino's girlfriend finally relents and says she'll testify against him. And that's like the turning point. Yeah. It also made me think, what does this movie mean in this enlightened or more enlightened age of what to do about police brutality? Because Scotty messes him up. (laughs) He really messes him up. I don't know how he didn't die after all that beating, but he didn't. Yeah, Scotty really laid into him when he got a hold of him. 
Give him the beat and the down. It was funny. You mentioned the trial scene and how badly he was beat up. I was wondering how long after that final fight was that trial because they were all cleaned up and fine. Like I, there must have been a long delay. He looked fine. I mean, maybe the wheels of justice do grind slowly, and it was months and months between. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, there's not a blemish on any of these guys. No, he looked good, especially after how badly he got beaten. I thought yeah. he looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the wheels of justice definitely grind slow in that in that aspect. <laughs> so, so did you did you guys catch the other little plot aspect of the connection between Scotty and and Nino? Because when they had that conversation and and Nino revealed that he killed some lady years ago to kind of initiate himself or whatever into his his gang. Yep. Yep. And then it was revealed later on that it was his mother. It was Scotty's mom back in 1974. He said. Yeah. That was my mother night. School teacher, yep. Yeah. So he had a personal to seek vengeance. Yeah, that, that constituted that beatdown that he handed him. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That, that was personal. Yes. Sir. <laughs> All the way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there was that like you said, personal. Um, there was that quote by Nino Brown. It's like it's always business, never personal. And that <laughs> that raised uh scotty's eyebrow like okay it's always business never personal huh right yeah right and then uh, the the old man who would be the one that eventually kills nino at, you know walking out of the courthouse at the end he had an exchange with nino earlier earlier on said you're killing your own people he was upset by obviously the way nino was carrying himself and creating his wealth and responsible for the epidemic and proliferating the, the chaos in the town. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think that was with, um, Nina was, was with the Reverend Nick Ashford's character. Yeah. I know he would disguise all of the terrible things he did. He would masquerade by giving back quote unquote, giving back to the community, you know, handing out free turkeys for Thanksgiving and during the holidays and, donating money to the to the neighborhood church, the neighborhood Baptist church. And the, the minister turned a blind eye to where the money was coming from because everyone knew where the money was coming from. But he was getting the money for the church. So he said, hey, you know, if he's going to give it to me, I'm going to buddy up with him and get the money, which wasn't <laughs> the, the best thing to do, not the most ethical thing to do. And yeah, you know, quote, the, the old man, was calling him out on it, like, "Hey, you, you're doing this. You, you, you're ruining the community, and you're taking this money from them. Y'all, y'all sitting here like it's okay. It's not okay." <laughs> and they, you know, they embarrassed him and kicked him out. But he got his revenge in the end. <laughs> yep, he got his revenge. He said, "I'm not even going to let this go to trial because he he might walk." <laughs> Took justice in his own hands. No, you never know. I mean, you get a guy, an older man like that, who has been impacted, and he's like, maybe I don't have many years left to live. I'll I'll sacrifice myself for the good of others. Maybe that yeah. was his thought process. Yeah, I think that I think that's exactly what it was. He had nothing. He felt like he had nothing to lose in that moment. And Nino Brown was he was already setting himself up to to to, to be to push it off. He started pushing it off on Kareem. You know, Kareem saying that Kareem was the the mastermind behind the CMB, and he was just the the foot soldier following orders. And he feared, you know, Kareem, and he did Kareem's will 
whatever Kareem wanted to do. And Kareem sitting there like, what? <laughs> Kareem was probably just an accountant. <laughs> was it Kareem? Was he the one that he that Nino stabbed in the hand to, to send a message after he interrogated everybody on how Pookie was able to infiltrate? Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. him. Okay. Yeah. Oh, skip my mind. Played by Christopher Williams. <laughs> An R&B singer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, yeah. So he was already setting himself up to to possibly get a lesser charge. He might have served some time, but he wouldn't have. He would have probably been out right back out in a couple of years or whatever, and right back at it. <laughs> it also should not forget that Alan Payne, who played G Money, also played Dead Mike in CP4. So yet another yes. connection. I was just yes. gonna say, where do we know Alan Payne from again? I yes, yes. Get confused with too many movies. Dead Mike. <laughs> Dead Mike. <laughs> Dead Mike. <laughs> Alan Payne went to Pennsylvania in high school. Wow. Yeah. That's local to you. Well, yeah. not, not local to me. Yeah. I wonder what, when he graduated. Sixty-eight. I wonder who was. He probably went to school with my cousin. <laughs> wow. I should ask him one time. Uh, so there were some other tidbits that we were discovering back and forth that uh, the role of Pookie played by Chris Rock actually had gone to Martin Lawrence. He, he crushed the audition and Chris Rock actually didn't do well at his audition, but Martin Lawrence backed out of it because Robin Harris, who he was friends with and who he played with in house party, had just passed away, and, and I guess he wasn't up to the task of, of playing the role. Yeah, that, that, I remember when Robert Harris passed away. It it, it, it took a lot of people. Um, a lot of people took that that one hard because he was he was on his rise, and everybody knew him. He was a funny, funny dude, and yeah, there was definitely a Def Comedy Jam connection between Robin Harris and uh, Martin Lawrence. Yeah, they ran the same, pretty much in the same circle. Yeah, they were both great stand-up comics. Yeah, it was interesting. And, and Ice-T playing the undercover cop, he wasn't really thrilled initially about playing it because he didn't want to like lose some street cred with a lot of the guys that he hung with. But they said, oh, it's great. Go ahead and play it. You know, How can I get in the movie? You know, There's irony that he ends up playing a cop for a greater part of his acting career, right? In Law and Order. Yeah. Finn. <laughs> yeah, but he also did produce Cop Killer like about a year or so after this. So there was some irony there. He's he has a wide range. He's, he's well rounded. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but this very um important movie in in the culture. Yeah, and it had a crazy soundtrack. Yes. Oh man, <laughs> soundtrack was absolutely crazy. It was bananas. It was a lot of a lot of. A lot of good songs on that soundtrack. <laughs> you got New Jack Hustler, Ice T, I'm Dreaming, Christopher Williams, I Wanna Sex You Up, Color Me Bad. The list goes on. <laughs> Johnny Gill, Keith Sweat, Troop and Levert. Yeah, it was a great soundtrack. So I had a couple of things in the dislike section or question, but one more sure. question. I forget which part of the movie, but I thought Peretti had makeup on his face. Was it blackface? Was it like when they were just trying to be in disguise or something? 
I forget now I could I should rip down what time when it was, but Peretti was it looked like he had kind of blackface kind of thing on. And I was through what that was about. Do you remember that? I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Not the look, but if it was blackface, it was a really bad looking blackface. It didn't really look like he was trying to like soul man or something, but it's like, what's going on? What what's with that? It didn't look like camouflage either. It was sort of like not quite camouflage, not quite blackface. I don't know what was going on there. I thought oh, wait. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think he was trying. I think it was like um when they went when they were trying, he was trying to lay low. I think he was trying to keep the glare off. So he was kind of just yeah, maybe that's what it, it was. was. Like a, it was like a, not not camouflage, but it was kind of like they weren't at, on a covert mission. So he was trying yeah. to yeah, yeah, he was just he was like trying to hide. Of- so it wouldn't stand out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I was I hope that wasn't blackface because that'd been a really strange choice <laughs> to, to do. But the other thing I was like, mm, was Park. He bends down to check out. It looked like I think he thought it was Nino. Right. And then or no, he he thought it was someone else, or maybe like a police officer that was that was shot. Yeah. And it was, it was Nino in disguise. Shot. Yeah. And like, oh man, you fell for a really dumb trick. Yeah. You didn't have to die for that. Man in the tailpipe. (laughs) So I thought, oh man, that that was a dumb way to go. Yeah, it really was. But other than that, this movie was almost flawless. It really did, like you said, move really fast. And an hour 40 was like, boom, boom, boom. No fat on this movie. Right. Remember the funny thing we were talking about right before we before we got on Dynamite was uh, Scotty Appleton as the name for Ice T. <laughs> it's like that's like the whitest name. <laughs> Sounds like a shortstop for the Dodgers or something. <laughs> Backup shortstop. But yeah. then I, then I remember La- Larry Appleton was the name of um, cousin Larry on Perfect Strangers, the '80s sitcom. I think that doesn't help. The- <laughs> Yeah, that didn't help. That doesn't help because he's like the whitest of the white. I, I, I wonder if that Appleton has because there's a, there's a Jamaican rum called Appleton. Oh, yeah, okay. there's a Jamaican rum called Appleton. So I think I wonder if that was why they gave him that last name. But yeah, there's definitely I, I love that Appleton. Makes a much different <laughs> Appleton Estates, and they have different tiers. Of, That's right, Appleton, Appleton Estate. Yeah, Jamaica. crafted in the heart of Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard of Appleton, Wisconsin. Yeah, there's a town. Pretty, All right, so babe, this makes more sense then. I remember, okay. I, I remember when when T Nice had one of his New Year's Eve parties, and <laughs> when he was living over in Somerset, I bought a big bottle of Appleton to, to that party, and people killed it. <laughs> I was like, yo, we've never had this before. This is good, but it's strong. <laughs> Peeps up on you. <laughs> I, I imagine yeah. it's not for the weak. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Do you guys think that this movie could be made today in some form or fashion? I think it could be made could be made today. The one thing that would keep it from taking place in the current time, technology. I think that it could be made, but it's yeah. got. I think it's got to be a period piece. Like you can't make New York City t- and take place in 2022 because technology would would kill this whole operation instantly. 
You know, yeah. everybody's got their cell phone. Like, you know, walking, you know, you walking people out with a gun to their head in broad daylight. Everybody's got cell phones. You know, there's surveillance yeah. cameras everywhere. You know, yeah. it, it would, it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't be realistic at all. You know, yeah. the virality of things today would change the story. Quite right. Quickly, probably. You see the primitive surveillance they had to use with the belt, like this big metal belt that's so clunky. <laughs> now the size of the camera on your cell phone is like a size of a pea or color. And you're right. Yeah, the cameras on our phone shooting HD and 4K yeah. and stuff like that mm-hmm. now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. It could be it could be made, but a period piece. Or maybe they change some of the components of it where maybe it's not a crack epidemic maybe it's something more underground yeah Yeah. they'd have to change some aspects of it but then i don't know if that really stays true to the original yeah the spirit of the movies that the crack epidemic Mm -hmm. backdrop and i don't know that the opioid epidemic has quite the same kind of dynamics right no, I don't think it would. Yep. You got you got the Sackler family and like selling. It wasn't like underground drug drug trade. It was like legitimate air quote legitimate pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, but I think yeah, you'd have to do something different to meet the spirit of the movie. But I don't know. Uh, New Jack City by itself is. It's really great on its own. It doesn't really need to be remade. Although I did read, maybe it was in that Mental Floss article about how Barry Michael Cooper is contemplating a sequel and a prequel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that would be interesting. Like the origin story of Nino would be probably pretty interesting. Yeah, that would be real. That would be really interesting, actually. Yeah. You can tell that through all of the horrible acts that that man has a brilliant mind to think out coordinate and plan the way he does so what made him go on the path that he was on you know mm-hmm. where he could have probably run a, a company easily yeah ahead of a company or an entrepreneur or something you know, something his, great he used his powers for good right but now i would definitely be interested in seeing a nino brown prequel that i would definitely watch and i would actually i would probably even say i'd watch you know something like a sequel to kind of see what happened like the fallout from you know did nino did did he die you know he got shot did he die we don't know you know there's a possibility (laughs) what happened did the cmb move on did someone else come in and try to take their place yeah i'd watch it (laughs) right i mean that was a pretty big syndicate I feel right. like a bigger syndicate than just Nino. So it definitely was. Up? Yeah, who's stepping up? Yeah, I think all of the main people. You know, there were more people around the table, but the main people all died by the end, right? So, da da da, man, he yeah, he died. Keisha died. Sure, yeah. G Money died, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. then, um, you know, Brown. We don't know, but let's say he. He was not able to continue. So yeah, someone had to have come up. Maybe Kareem. <laughs> right. After he proved that he really wasn't the head of the, yeah. of the TMB. <laughs> he got to come with the receipts. Yeah. 
He was the bougie brother that 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 they just brought in to do the numbers. Yeah, I just I just did the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what's funny? Speaking of numbers, um, there was a reference uh, to to Pascal, the computer program language. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yes. When they were recruiting, were recruiting a Pookie, and he said to someone, "Do you, do you code? Can you code in Pascal?" <laughs> he's like do white people dance or something like that and i was like and i was like oh my god that brought me back to like high school mm-hmm. computer and then and then like freshman year in college where we thought pascal was the coding language to learn like you needed mm-hmm. to know pascal or COBOL or something Cobol. like that now Fortran? it's like but yeah, Fortran. now it's like no one's gonna know our a younger generation never gonna hear of Pascal unless they're studying Blaise Pascal. He's <laughs> Pascal. Blaise. <laughs> when they were torching the place, when when Pookie's, Pookie's cover was blown, like, oh no, all those desktop computers, the floppy, the the five and a quarter floppy drives. No, yes, they destroyed us. The, the technology is <laughs> funny that that remains. Historically saves, you know, Pascal was mentioned. If they, have, if they ever updated it, like, well, oh no, what are they going to do? Put it, put their data in the cloud, like <laughs> they're using yeah. Amazon Web Services. Yeah. It's the craziest, like all of that information that was on all of those desktops, you could fit it on your phone now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you just put an SD card on your phone and walk away. Hey, let me let me airdrop this to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I think i had a course called computer math pascal that was oh, the- man wow oh, man and pascal was was tough i was not a i've never been a programmer i've always been in it but never a programmer i'm more of a process and operations guy but i remember some of those classes like you'd have one student like figure out the complex program and everybody tried to copy off of them or <laughs> <laughs> okay what's the basics of it but Right line, read line, all that. I remember all that stuff. I only got as far as basic. Yeah. I skipped the, now I can barely get to JavaScript. <laughs> Give me some HTML, CSS. You know, everything is cookie cutter. Like, you know, then it came up with front page. You didn't need to know how to code in HTML because then there was front page and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Just drag and drop. Yep. Yeah, all these templates. <laughs> like that. yeah. yeah, it's crazy. But would CMB have a website? Like, what would... The dark yeah. web, they've been the dark web. Yeah. <laughs> they, they taken Venmo. <laughs> oh, man. But CMB, the cash, they, I guess it's only cash money, right? They wouldn't take Venmo. Cash money. Cash money Venmo brothers. Taking, Are they going to have the Venmo brothers? Cash money, not taking cash money. Yeah. <laughs> they were Bitcoin brothers. Bitcoin brothers. <laughs> Pay in Ethereum. Yeah, Ethereum. Oh, man. <laughs> Why don't we go and do our regular rating? Boogie, bring that funky flick back. Bring that funky flick back. Or leave it in the vault. Yeah, I was, you know, I was thinking of how I was going to vote on this. Thought about it. I said, you know, I've I've watched this movie so many times. But then I, I thought about it. And I say, you know what? Because it's it's a good movie to watch. Like I said in my opening statement, from a sociological aspect, and it's, it's, it is it is entertaining. So yeah, I think I'm gonna bring that funky flick back.
Yeah. Dino, right? I am bringing this funky flick back. I mean, Flavor Flav's in this movie as Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav. <laughs> the spotlight club. Yeah, the spotlight. Yes. And uh, I will also bring that funky flick back. Had a lot of a lot of action. Nino Brown is like a mythical figure. He's historically significant. And yeah, overall entertaining and good music. I like Roger's dad. Roger's dad's in this Roger's movie. dad. <laughs> yep. Hip Hop Movie Club is produced by your HHMCs, JB, Boogie, and Dino Wright. Theme music by Boogie. Check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Hip Hop Movie Club. On the next episode of the Hip Hop Movie Club podcast, your HHMCs will review Paid in Full. It drops in two weeks. Subscribe today in your favorite podcast app and you won't miss it. Shout out to your listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, don't hate, illustrate. Nice. Illustrate. Mario People Van People's directorial debut. Pretty yeah. good. Pretty good debut. Yeah. Shout out to Bejeweled. Thanks for your support holding it down in the Green Mountain State. Shout out to Brain Freeze Trivia in the Lehigh Valley. Check out the Instagram, brain underscore freeze underscore trivia double underscore time. That's Brain Freeze Trivia time on Instagram.